The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome back to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across from me is my co-host for this entire week, my mongoloid son, Jacob. Say hi, Jake. <laughs> you have issues. You know that? I mean, hey, you said a monkey. Wait, no, you said mongoloid. I said mongoloid. I was just about to say that. <laughs> hey, you said monkey. Wait, you mean mongoloid? The hell's a mongoloid? Well, you and I were talking about this yesterday when you were a kid. Um, that uh, uh, yeah. your favorite show, My Gym Partner, is a monkey at the time. I remember absolutely nothing about it. I recently went back to it. Fun fact, the monkey canonically has ass implants. Which I think is awesome. But I used to sing to you, my son Jacob is a monkey. Monkey, 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 monkey. and give you monkey bites. So it's great. <laughs> All right, dude, I have got a fucked up one for you today. All right, on a scale of one to ten, how fucked? Okay, well, here's the thing, man. Mind this- you, F- one is like completely fine. Ten is like uh, Hitler. Um, think Sasquatch. So about a six? About a six, seven, eight, nine. Anyways, this dude Charles Starkweather thought that he was totally badass, right? And he's got this girlfriend named Carol Ann Fugate. Is that right? Fugate? Carol okay. Ann Fugate. Okay. Anyways, let's get into this story. <sighs> I'll love you forever. Unless we get caught by the cops. We'll be in love to get forever unless we got caught by the cops. Unless we get caught by the cops. That's my opening statement. Uh. So good old Charles Starkweather was born in Lincoln, Nebraska, and was the third of seven kids. God damn, doesn't then his parents know how that shit happens? Close your legs. Too many fucking kids. Christ's sakes. I mean, were they Hawaiian or something? Hawaiian? They got they have nothing to do but fuck in Hawaii. And surf. And surf, but mostly fuck. And farm pineapple. They go to volcanoes. It's good times. Okay, so his parents were Guy and Helen Starkweather. It was a working class family. His father, Guy, was a carpenter and his mother was a waitress. Probably worked at a diner, wore a little waitress outfit. Uh, Mini skirt? Maybe. Uh, maybe. <laughs> Mini skirt with the thigh highs with the absolute zone where it's just skirt and thigh high and it's just in between his thigh. I've been there. You, you know what I'm talking about. I may have banged her. <laughs> you know what that's called? It's called absolute territory. Sweet. Okay, so his father was oftentimes unemployed uh, because he had uh, rheumatoid arthritis in his uh, hard-working hands. So, you know, I got arthritis, and yeah. uh, and I take supplements for it so I can keep playing guitar. But at the time, keep in mind, man, like, you're not going to sit there and be able to do what I do when you have arthritis. You're just pretty well screwed. What year was this again? I should have wrote that down. This is like back in the 50s. Okay. So well, at least when the crimes happened, it was in, in the 50s. I'm so there might have been uh, some supplements at the time, but no, nowhere near as good. Not what we take today. So I, I think Starkweather was born somewhere in the 40s. I just I didn't write it down because, you know, I just forgot. Eh, yeah, everybody forgets. Let's continue. So I feel like our story really begins when Charles went to school. You see... He had a birth defect called Gunam Varnum. Gunam Varnum is a mild birth defect that causes his that causes legs to misshapen as he grew. He also had a stutter. A stutter. I have a stutter. And as we all know, kids tend to make fun of others that are different. 
Kids are ruthless, dude. They are, man. Kids are little assholes. Like, seriously, man. Kids will find the one thing that you're self-conscious about and and focus on it. the fuck out of it. Oh, yeah. Dude, they'll focus on it like razor-sharp focus. They're like, oh. That's the the thing about zero filters. They're like, oh, look at that guy with small feet. And you're like, oh, that's something I'm sensitive about. I don't have small feet. Yours are just big. (laughs) That's what she said. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) <laughs> he was teased and bullied for the things that uh, obviously he couldn't change. I mean, it just is what it is, right? He had a hard. Uh, we've heard and seen this before as a catalyst to what's to come. Yeah, I think uh, I forget the names, but yeah, most mo- most of the ones that we do have a catalyst involving bullying in school and bad parenting. And nothing says that they're necessarily bad parents in this one. Just bad parenting. But yeah, yeah, so we'll get into her. When you have, there's no like guidebook to parenting. And you you might see. I mean, for this guy here, it's not like the, it's not like I found anything that said, you know, like mom and dad were beating the shit out of him every day. Nothing like that. Yeah. This kid's just an asshole. (laughs) So I feel that when it comes to being bullied in school or at home, it sometimes limits what actions you can take. You either learn to adapt or you become meaner than the people attacking you. Charles had re- had a really good home life that he remembered with a great fondness. His school life, however, very different. He was known as a slow learner and was accused of really not applying himself to learn at all. Not at all? Not at all. It's like... But he was just a slow learner. So I think this is like, you know, because we didn't know about ADD, ADHD. Until um, relatively recently. Yeah, being on the autism spectrum and things like that. Until, yeah, within the last 20 years. And we're talking like this kid, you know, he's in school in like the uh, the, the 40s and 50s. So they had, they, they knew two things. Retarded, not retarded. That's all and, I knew. And that's more or less it. Yeah, that's it. Okay. The one class he did excel in, though, was his gym class. Very physically active, right? In his gym class, he found a physical outlet for the anger and rage that was festering inside of him. Matter of fact, his high school friend, Bob Von Birch, uh, had said, quote, He could be the kindest person you ever met. He'd do anything for you if he liked you. He was a hell of a lot of fun to be around, too. Everything was just a big joke to him. But he had this other side. He could be mean as hell, cruel. If he saw a poor uh, guy on the street uh, who was bigger than he was, or better looking, or better dressed, he tried to take the poor bastard down to size. So that tells me this, you know, he hated authority. And no, Starkweather had an inferiority complex. Yeah, that, that's what I was trying to say. He hated people that were above him. Yeah, they, anybody he thought might be above him, or better looking, or better dressed. Yeah, that's, that, that's this whole dealio there. Okay. So. Charles became fixated with James Dean. You don't know who James Dean is, I don't think. But uh, uh, so look it up. Might be vaguely. Or, yeah, it's uh, a movie actor from uh, like the 50s. and shit. Yeah, like Rebel Without a Cause, which we get into here in a second. Um, after he watched the movie Rebel Without a Cause. Go <laughs> he emulated James Dean as much as he could. He felt that in the character that James Dean played, well, it was much like how he felt. He had developed an inferiority complex as well as a loss of self-worth. 
So he just doesn't care about himself anymore. Right. And then you, you see that a lot when people are trying to take out people that they think might be above them. It's that lack of self-worth. It's the inferiority complex. Um, a lot of bullies are like that, too. Oh, totally, man. And there's, it goes deeper into psychology, you know, when, when you discuss the problems with, the, with, with someone's uh, ego, super ego, and their id. But that's a whole another show about psychology. That's something that's a bit too complex for this show right now. A little bit, yeah. So. If you want to learn what those are. Uh, Google that go- shit. Google it or go to college. <clears throat> he thought that he couldn't do anything right and that he was destined to suffer throughout his life. This just fueled the rage in him, by the way. Instead of trying to improve himself, it just made him more pissed, right? Well, in 1956, Charles Starkweather was 18 years old, and that was when he met Carol Ann Fugate. You guys happy with that when I pronounce it right? All right. Car- Carol Ann Fugate. Well, get this. With many jokes as I make, he was 18. She was 14 years old at the time. Oh, uh, no. Come on. Hey, little there girl. Better not be a, there better not be a relationship going on there. I worship James Dean. And I got candy. Get in my car. Oh, no. That's bad. So, Charles had dropped out of school as a, in his senior year, and he went to work for a Western Union newspaper warehouse. He looked to work there uh, because it was near Whittier Junior High School, where Carol Ann was a student. Oh, no. At his job, he could not. He was not considered a good worker. He was said to, uh, it was said that he was also one of the dumbest that they had ever had work in there. I mean, hey, he's a high school dropout. Not all high school dropouts are geniuses. But th- there are some that are. No, there's some like, that are I, I believe a Steve Jobs? I, I, I might be remembering remember. it wrong. But I know that some of the world figures uh, were dropouts at Ruby, one point. Let's finish this podcast. We yeah, have sorry about together. that. He would have to be told several times to do anything, and even then, he might not do it at all. As, the, as time went on, Charles taught Carol Ann to drive, uh, and a few months after teaching her how to drive, she crashed Charles' 1949 Ford into another car. Well, Charles' father paid for the damages because he was the legal owner of the car. That sparked a fight in the family. When it was all said and done, Charles was kicked out of the house because his father was just sick of him, always acting out. Basically, you're being too much of an asshole, kind of all the time, to fuck out. Yep. So keep in mind that he had quit school, he's dating a 14-year-old, not doing great at work, and his girlfriend wrecked his car. I'm sure that there's some uh, attitude issues thrown in there as well. You know, you get all that together and dad's like, no, this is, dude, you're a bowl of messed up. Almost guaranteed that there were. Oh, totally. I can see him coming home and just being, you know, kind of an asshat. So, anyways, Charles quit his job at the warehouse and he got another job as a garbage collector. He wasn't making very uh, much money as it was a minimum wage job at the time. Now garbage collectors make freaking bank. They make amazing money. Definitely Which, above minimum. Oh, yeah. Dude, uh, we had one of uh, the drivers for where I work uh, go back to work for uh, the garbage company. Dude makes a pile of freaking money. All he does is drive to a yard where they dump dirt. That That's sounds, it. That's his whole job. Huh. Not bad. So as he drove around picking up garbage cans, he began to plot his plans to rob banks. Because he's, he's smart enough to be a bank robber, he thinks, right? He also began to form his worldview on how he would live his life. His philosophy was that dead people are all on the same level. 
I mean, he's technically... He's not right. He, I mean, he's not wrong. I mean, He's not wrong, but he's also not right. Yeah. There, there are, like, pharaohs, for example. Those are definitely people who are more respected, even while dead. Okay, I'll so, give it that. He, he's not wrong, but he's also just not right. <coughs> now, do y'all remember how I said that a friend of his from high school said that he could be the sweetest person that you ever met if he liked you? And if he didn't, well, then he was basically an asshole. Yep. Here is where the asshole part of him went to the next level. On November 30th of 57, Charles went to a gas station in Lincoln, Nebraska to buy Carol Ann a stuffed toy dog. Well, Charles wanted to buy it on credit, and the, uh, the, the, the guy working there named Robert Colvert, the gas station attendant, said, Ah, no. No credit, dude. It's cash only. You know, give me some cash. You can get it. Get out of here. Anyways, this pissed old Charles off. But uh, it just really major pissed him off, right? So he drove away. Now, come a few hours later on December 1st, the next day, at around 3 o'clock in the morning, Charles came back to the service station with a shotgun. Now, at the time, in his defense, he left the shotgun in the car, went inside and got himself a pack of cigarettes, and he drove off. When he got down the road a bit, he turned around and went back to the service station again. He left the gun in the car again and bought a pack of gum and then took off again. Okay. Now, I reckon that Charles was still good and pissed off about the stuffed dog, so he drove back and he parked. He went back to the service station with that 12-gauge shotgun in a burlap sack. He put on a red bandana and a ball cap and held uh, Colvert, that's the gas station attendant, at gunpoint. I guess that Charles figured that he would be- he better go for broke. He stole about 100 bucks from the gas station and then forced Colvert into his car. He drove Colvert to a remote location, which isn't hard to do in Nebraska, by the way, even today. Isn't Nebraska, like, mostly empty? No, it's mostly fucking like wheat fields and corn fields. That, that, that's why I meant. Like, yeah, in terms a lot of, of fields, man. Yeah, in terms of like buildings, it's relatively empty. Yeah, and even in Lincoln, Nebraska, just the outskirts of that, or Omaha. I mean, it's it, you don't have to drive very far. So, when Covert found out, uh, was forced out of the car, he started to struggle with Charles for the shotgun. I can't really say that I can blame him, by the way, since in that situation, you really have nothing to lose. The shotgun went off, and Culver took a shotgun blast to his knee. Which that's messed up. Well, he can't walk anymore. <laughs> well, at least not on that knee, right? <laughs> now he's on. Now he's all injured, and Charles delivered the killing shot to Mr. Robert Culver. He shot him in the head with that shotgun. So, well, now he really can't walk. Yeah, now it's a bad day for this old boy. <laughs> so Charles went to Carol Ann and told her about robbing the gas station, uh, but he said that someone else. Killed the attendant. Carol Ann, would, Carol Ann would say later that she didn't, that she really didn't believe him. Now, back in those days, a hundred bucks, that was a lot of money. Now? Now, not so much. I mean, it takes more than that to fill my gas tank. Seriously. It's fucking ridiculous gas prices, man. <laughs> well, on December 21st of 1958, things went to hell in a handbasket. You see, sweet little Carol Ann was a terror to say the least. She was always in trouble at school. She had even been suspended a few times. 
She'd fight, steal, and just not. She just wasn't a very good girl at all. She was just kind of an asshole, kind of like Starkweather. <laughs> so on that December day, just a few days before Christmas, in fact, Charles came over to see his sweetheart Carol Ann. When she got, when he got there, he started an arg- He started to argue with Carol Ann's mom and her stepdaddy. They told uh, they told him to go away and leave their daughter alone. This Which, did, which it would make sense. It would make sense. It, it's this dude's an 18-year-old loser. It's a bit creepy. Yeah, well, he's creepy. She's 14. He's 18. He can't hold a job. He's a dropout, and he's, he's kind of a butthole. So, they that this didn't sit really well with old crazy Charles. And the killing started again. Once more. He shot Carol's folks uh, with a shotgun, and then he went and stabbed and strangled Betty Jean, who was only two years old, and killed her to death. Oh, come on. Which is my favorite term I learned from my friend Jenny from Oklahoma, killed to death. Had to kill the two-year-old, huh? Yep, killed the two-year-old. Betty Jean, by the way, was uh, Carol's half-sister. Half-sister, so a uh, divorced or? No, remember? She had a stepdaddy, so it's between okay. her mom and her stepdaddy. Yeah, that, okay. So all the killing, while well, all the killings going on, Carol Ann wasn't at home, but she did get back home. Charles told her about what he had done, and Carol Ann helped him hide the bodies uh, behind the house. When this killer couple stayed in the house for another six days, living there, just living their life. Now Carol Ann put a note on the front door that said, "Everyone is sick in the house and to stay away." Yep, death's pretty fatal, by the way, y'all. It's pretty contagious if you have a serial killer nearby, too. Uh, when, when you have a shotgun and you're killing people, yeah, death is definitely contagious in that household. Anyway, her grandma started getting real suspicious about Carol's mama not being available, so she called the cops. And by the time the cops got there on January 27th, Charles and Carol Ann fled the house. They're like, we're gone. After fleeing from Caroline's house, they found a farmhouse in Bennett, Nebraska. It was a farm of a friend of the, the Starkweather family, the Myers family. This is where they found little seven-year-old August Myers, and they shot him in the head with that shotgun. What the hell is a seven-year-old going to do? A two-year-old just can't do anything. What the hell? Oh, I know. Yeah, th- th- these are people that didn't need to die. What's he going to do? Run away and go, hey, I saw them. I'm going to assume that they robbed the house as well, since it seems to be Charles Starkweather's preferred method of employment. Once they killed little August Meyer, they were once again on the run. And as the killer couple were fleeing the scene, they managed to drive their car into the mud and get stuck. Well, no good deed goes unpunished with these two asshats, because two local teenagers stopped to help them out. It got messy yet again. Now, this is an important name to remember because he's going to come up again. Robert Jensen and his girlfriend, Carol King, stopped to give them a ride, and Charles forced them into the back of Robert's car. He then drove them to an abandoned storm shelter, and he killed both of them. Now, there's a little caveat to this. The story does change here and there depending on who you believe. Charles admits to killing Robert Jensen, but claims Carol Ann snuffed out Carol King's life. You probably guessed it by now that our killer couple stole Robert Jensen's car and left Bennett. I mean, go figure. You guys... There are other cars stuck in the mud. Yeah. 
So, I mean, what are you going to do? You got to kill him, you got to steal it, right? That wasn't a nice car, though. Probably not. I don't know, but the next one is. <laughs> so they took that old car. <clears throat> and they drove to the wealthier part of Lincoln, Nebraska. And that's where they found the home of C. Lar and Claire Ward. The couple were wealthy industrialists. Both Claire Ward and their maid, Lillian Fenkel, were... Lillian Fenkel. F-E-N-C-L. Fenkel. 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 Yeah, close enough. Were fatally stabbed. Charles admits to throwing the knife at Ward, but claims that Carol Ann was the one who inflicted several stab wounds to Claire and the maid, killing them. So he keeps trying to shift the blame to the girl. Oh, you just wait. But wait, there's more. They waited until Lar got home, and they shot him to death as well. And since they were at work, so to speak, they robbed the house as well as filling the car with stolen jewelry. Oh, the car that they filled was Lar's Black Packard. It was a nice car at the time. Because it seems like they left the car of dead bodies, you know, and uh, robbed their homes behind. So they left... The evidence. And oh yeah, stole the treasure. Yeah, pretty much. They took they they, they took the car, the packet, and we're gone. So all this killing and robbing caused a huge uproar in Lancaster County, Nebraska. Everyone was pretty pissed off because the cops hadn't caught these killers yet. That caused the cops to uh, kind of up their game. They went out in force to get their uh, this killer couple. They even went door to door in search. Meanwhile, the great value version of Bonnie and Clyde <laughs> needed a new car because at the time, a Packard was a pretty damn nice car and people are going to notice it. And if people notice the car, then they're going to wonder why these two clowns are driving it. Probably not very good either. Probably not well. They, they're crashing into cars or crashing into mud. They're not exactly the sharpest tool in the shed, right? With that said, Charles and Carol Ann... Went car shopping, <laughs> like they did with the other cars that they had. This time, they found a traveling salesman by the name of Merle Collison, who was sleeping in the back of his Buick outside of Douglas, Wyoming. Once again, uh, what happened? They busted the window and stole the car peacefully. I know the the, the story. Well, the story gets kind of iffy. Charles claims that his shotgun jammed, and Carol Ann is the one who shot the salesman. Charles said that she was the most trigger-happy person that he had ever met in his life. Doubt it. The car, however, was another matter altogether. See, it had a push-pedal emergency brake, and Charles had no idea how to use it or release the brake. <laughs> Tries driving off, right? He stalls the car a few times, then a passing motorist stopped to give him a hand. Hey, let me help you out. And what does this slick dude do? Charles threatens this boy with a rifle. And a, a fight happens because you're in Wyoming. And those cowboys, they don't play that game. Okay, so he gets help, but he doesn't even accept it. And he just immediately threatens them. Oh, totally, man. And this thing, you know, you're in Wyoming. There's a lot of cowboys out there, man. They're like, uh, no, Haas, we don't play this shit. Okay, okay. So about the time that Charles is getting his ass handed to him in a fight, the sheriff shows up. 
and puts an end to Mr. Starkweather's crap, as well as uh, Fugates. Fugates. I guess they were at least smart enough not to try to take on the sheriff. Well, hold on. Not exactly. Chances are they tried to tackle him, too. Oh, no. The story gets good. Oh, God. You see, old Carol Ann ran at the sheriff yelling, It's Starkweather. He's going to kill me. Charles tried to run from the sheriff in one of the cars and hit speeds of about 100 miles an hour. That was pretty damn fast at the time. But, once again... 35? No, 100. 105. Yeah, 100 miles an hour. Okay. But, you're in Wyoming. Like I said, those cowboys don't play. A (laughs) bullet blew out the back window and some glass cut Charles. Oh, Charles thought he was a badass until he saw he was bleeding. Then, he promptly stopped and surrendered to the sheriff. Oh, uh, I, I could shoot people all day, but as soon as I get cut, <laughs> exactly, oh, no. <laughs> uh, I, I can't have my baby bear skin get cut. And oh, torn. you're going to love what the sheriff's quote is. Converse County Sheriff Earl Hathlin said, quote, Starkweather thought he was bleeding to death. That's why he stopped. That's the kind of yellow son of a bitch he is. And a little note for our people out there. Yellow is another word for a coward. Their bullshit ended in Douglas, Wyoming that day. Well, as far as their crimes. Then there was the trial. Judge Henry Spencer, who who heard the case, um, he, he's, the guy who, he's the judge, he's the guy who heard the case. Yeah. At first, Charles said that he captured Carol Ann, but then uh, he changed his story a few too many times. Charles people started noticing. Oh, no, totally, man, because this story gets good. Charles finally testified at Carol Ann's uh, trial that she was a willing participant in the crimes, including the killings. Carol Ann, on the other hand, has always held on to the story that she was a hostage and that Charles said that he would kill her and her family as well. She also said that she didn't know that her family was already dead. Judge Spencer didn't believe a word that she was saying. And honestly, I can't blame him. You know, I, you, can, you can just reading this story, you can smell the bullshit. Didn't you say earlier that she helped move the body? She did. So, yeah. Yeah. Like the judge went, sniff, sniff, sniff. I smell bullshit. That's what I smell. I smell a bunch of bullshit. Carol Ann had plenty of chances to escape, but she chose to stay with him. So in the end, Charles was put to death by the electric chair for the murder of Robert Jensen, which was the only murder that he was actually tried for. Little Miss Carol Ann got a life sentence, but it was commuted, and she was paroled in 1976. She moved to Michigan, found work as a janitor in a hospital, changed her name, and from what I'm told, she refuses to talk to anybody about the murders. And also... She never married. It's probably good because she sounds still a little bit freaking psycho. I mean, you know what people are into? People like to stick their dick in crazy. <laughs> that is true. You, you, for example, you've done it like four times. I was going to say, I've, I've done that a few times. I mean, I've had some good ex-wives. Uh, well, one. One. Good, really good ex-wife. But, uh, yeah. And I, the rest were just like lower than that. And that's why I always tell you to be cautious because I have a history Banging the nuttiest chicks out there. Oh, banging, no. the, banging the crazies. It won't happen to me. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, yeah, dude, this, this is happening because she's nuts. It won't happen to me 
Hey, why do you keep wanting to have sex 24-7? Why are you trying to stab me? Why are you trying to stab me? The only way you want to stab me is with that strap <laughs> You're not right, man. All right, now I'm going to wrap this one up because my son's a fucking asshat, too. I'm not an asset. I'm just crazy. Yeah, that's true. All right. Remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check out the website at www.TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs. Get the full story without any of my bullshit. Check out and look up Brutal Nation on YouTube. We launched a YouTube channel, and you get a nice little slideshow with it. You get some different music. Um, you don't have to see me sitting around naked. And, uh, good times. It's good times. It's really a lot nice. of the photos in the slideshow are contextual based. So every photo will pop, pop oh, up. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, they'll pop up based on uh, what's going on. It's weird that you paid more attention to what I was doing than I did. <laughs> you, you worked on it. And so it just kind of filters out for you. Man, a little bit. All right. This show is copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. We will see you gorgeous bitches tomorrow. Bye. Have a good night.